we don't view ourselves as competing against other cannabis companies as much right. as saying like against a Johnson Johnson and yeah. the, the pharmaceutical companies that are uh, putting out these solutions that, as you mentioned, are far more damaging. Welcome to The Irresistible Factor, a podcast where I talk to founders and investors and retailers about what it takes to launch successful brands, from developing a compelling proposition and brand identity, to raising capital, to getting distribution, and more. My name is Christy Bridges, and I'm a marketing expert with tons of experience and a true love for all things health and wellness. Welcome to today's episode of The Irresistible Factor. I'm interviewing Adam Grossman, who is the founder and chairman of Papa and Barkley, which is a cannabis wellness products company. Welcome to the podcast, Adam. I'm really happy to be chatting with you today. Thanks, Christy. Great to be here. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about Papa and Barkley and, and what you guys do? And then I can't wait for you to tell the story of how you started. Sure. Pup and Barkley is a, as you mentioned, a cannabis wellness products company. We are based in Northern California and are best known for our medicinal products, our topicals and our tinctures. We're uh, leaders in those categories in the California dispensary market. And beyond that, we have products in some other categories and we are also in the national CBD market. There, we are distributed through national retailers like Vitamin Shop. We're in, I think, 750 Vitamin Shop stores, and we're also, we sell those products online. Awesome. So there are two sort of different parts of your business. And I assume that the first part that you talked about, the hope is that eventually you'll expand that as well. Yeah, that's really, you know, our main focus. We, we are a cannabis company first and foremost, and our products are most known, as I mentioned, on the medicinal side of things, the, the CBD business allows us to address a much larger market because of the regulatory restrictions. You can't just send products from California that are above a certain level of THC to other states. And so the CBD business provides us with some leverage around branding nationally and distribution online and things of that nature. But our core focus and most of our businesses in the California dispensary market. Cool. Okay. So can you tell us how you started? Like what was the inspiration for this brand and how you got started? Sure. It's a pretty amazing story from my perspective. Well, I guess I'll let you be the judge of that. Back in 2015, I was having conversations with some partners in New York about the cannabis market and forming a small fund to invest in early stage companies. My background is entrepreneurial. And at the same time, I was commuting to Boston to take care of my parents who were elderly and needed help in the house. My mom got Alzheimer's. And then my dad developed a back condition, spinal stenosis, that left him in terrible pain, uh, bedridden. And, and we didn't know what to do, so we put him in the hospital. And they didn't really know what to do, so he just got worse, and he got placed on hospice care. And none of the medications that uh, we had received from the doctors, the methadone, and, and tramadol, nothing was working. And at the suggestion of a friend, out of desperation, I went online and looked at YouTube formulas for pain bombs, cannabis-based pain bombs, and borrowed a crock pot from a neighbor and went to Whole Foods to get the coconut oil and essential oils and other non-cannabis ingredients and called up a high school buddy and said, Jeppy, I need some weed like tonight, bro, the, the best that you can get. So I got two ounces of the best cannabis I could get and ground it. 
up and put it in with the coconut oil in the crock pot and uh, cooked up uh, that oil. The next day I strained it and, and blended in the other ingredients. And when I put it on my father's back, I could get him out of bed. He responded amazingly to it. And over time, he actually got better. He got off hospice. And I started giving my samples uh, to, of the bomb to friends and family and getting amazing feedback. And, and that's the path that led me to find my partner in California and, and launch the business in uh, June of 2016. So many things there that need to get talked about. First of all, you got your dad off of hospice care with a cannabis bomb that you made in your kitchen. Wow. I mean, yeah, that's it, unbelievable. It was life-changing and really opened my eyes. I, I had had plenty of experience as a as an adult in with cannabis, some therapeutic uses of it, but really never in a topical context. So yeah. it was an eye-opening experience and one that led me to this amazing path. That's incredible. And I, I don't think I picked up on this last time, but you were you living in on the East Coast at the time? I was. I was living in New York and and commuting to Boston. Then I moved to back home to take care of my dad through this. And then, as I mentioned, started doing some branding work. Like, could this really be a a, a, a product? Yeah. And that influenced some of my conversations with my partners in New York. But really, the catalyst was when I found my my partner Guy in in Los Angeles. He had extensive experience as a grower with multiple grow houses in LA and still owned a house that we launched the business from. So it had a grow in the basement where we had access to the biomass. And at one point we had 20 crock pots and in that house, making our first batch of, of bomb before we ended up moving our, our uh, later on. And, and I can tell you that story as well. Uh, we moved uh, very shortly after that, our production to Northern California, to Eureka, where I had family and we were able to get the first manufacturing license issued by the city of Eureka, California. So that's amazing. So you, did you move to California because that's where you needed to be to make this brand work? I did. Uh, he was an amazing partner in the context of having had not only this house to launch the business from and the experience as a grower, he had actually launched a business with some early investors in Colorado and developed their vape pen product and built their manufacturing facility. So he's really the, the perfect partner to go into business with. I had the finance and operational and entrepreneurial side and he had this house. So the house was there in, in LA and yeah, we had some fun stories uh, launching the business out of that house. I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. So when you first started, I mean, you said you had 12 crock pots in the basement of a house. You were still making it yourself. Are you still making it yourself? So it's funny, I was actually just home uh, in my hometown over the weekend and, and I still have my lab there and I always do a, a batch of product when I'm there, the old school way, so I can give it away to, to yeah. friends and everything. But yeah, our, evolu our evolution was from that basement in, in, in my lab in, in Swampscott, Massachusetts to Los Angeles to Guy's house. There we started to standardize production, but the first production run was using uh, those crock pots. I mentioned Eureka. I have uh, my favorite cousin lived in Eureka and I had been going there prior to any of the cannabis stuff. So it became friendly with her and her husband. Uh, well, I was very friendly with her, but I uh, became friendly with her husband who started working with a grower in, in, in uh, Eureka and who eventually became our chief compliance officer. They built and build uh, vacation rental properties and have really 
done a terrific job improving that community. We were lucky enough to leverage off of their good reputation, come behind it with a mission that the town could get behind. And Eureka is a fascinating place, as you know, it's a, uh, with respect to the California gold rush and the, the, yeah. the, the history of the, of the city spans the gold rush to the timber rush and now the, the green rush because Humboldt County is where the majority of the country's cannabis has grown. So yeah. it's, a, it's a special place in cannabis culture. So there's so many interesting things that you did. What made you really believe that this was going to be a company that, that could sustain you? And is it? Yeah, luckily it is. I think after a, a long career and a number of early you know, ventures, including some that didn't work out, what all sort of coalesced in Papa and Barkley was a personal experience that clarified that this was a, a road that I wanted to be on. Yeah. An emerging cannabis market that uh-huh. captured the attention of investors and and the world when this turned. So luck and timing were a huge part of it. But I think the the focus from the start on making the highest quality product was always the case, and and making it in a natural artisanal method, no chemicals, preserving the full spectrum as they call it of the plants. So we're not using a chemical process, just isolate the THC or one element or another. If you cook the plant in coconut oil, the entire profile of the plant, all the all the cannabinoids and the active ingredients, all the terpenes, phytonutrients, plant fats, that's all in the oil. And I think that's what, what makes the product special. And all of our products special is that adherence to quality and purity. And so I mentioned that in the context of your question, because because of the experience I had with my father and the focus that we had on doing things the right way and focusing on quality over margin and profit from the start and lucky enough to be able to raise some money to propel that vision forward. I think we've created something here that is authentic that people can respond to and and the products that we are making speak for themselves. They're uh, not everybody, but in many cases, and we have many hundreds of testimonials are changing people's lives. So that's very empowering. And that's kept me on mission and on track. Yeah. So a couple of things I want to ask you about that one, you just mentioned capital raising. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because it is a, I mean, first of all, I talk about it with everyone, but I think in the cannabis industry, it's different because I think at least I know I thought things were going to go faster and it was going to be easier at a certain point in time. And it's still not there, you know, because you still can't go, as you know, you can't go from state to state. And so the things, the thing you're making the most of, and that you're the most passionate about, you're, you're in California with right now only, right? That's correct. Talk about how you raise capital under those circumstances, because it seems like it would be challenging. Sure. It's definitely been challenging. And so um, the way that we raised capital was initially through a friends and family round, as most mm-hmm. businesses do. And yep. we were lucky enough to be with my partners who are good guys and have enjoyed good reputations and are good members of the community. They're, they're in, in Manhattan. And through my network, the fact that we're older was beneficial in the context of doing a friends and family round because we had more successful people that would believe in us and had experience with us. So we were able to raise money through a friends and family round. And then we did a price round after that that included some early institutional investors. Yeah. And then in our in the last rounds, we've, we've been able to obtain financing from 
a couple of institutions that are that are larger that are in the space and that have been a, been supportive of us. Having said all that, you know the financial markets change, and now we're you know it's a much more challenging environment than it was three years ago to raise money. So we have the same issues that other folks do, and are adjusting accordingly. Are you saying that it's challenging right now? because everyone has tightened up on raising money or is it especially challenging in cannabis? I think, I think it's in cannabis, what, what you've seen is an evolution from the early days of funding companies that were based on metrics and that are aspirational, you know, yeah. productive capacity on the assumption of sales. And yeah. again, like any business, the market's matured now. So you have, more institutional investors have been able to kind of bridge the gap, even though it's still federally illegal through investing in Canada where it's federally legal and right. understanding that through that methodology. And so the the actual valuation game has changed because now there are companies that have been in the space long enough, particularly the multi-state operators that are in limited license states and they're well capitalized. They're able to offer, operate profitably and it's very difficult with the tax burden uh, and the lack of deductibility of the majority of your expenses. And that's a provision called 280E. But the regulatory burdens where that we face make it very difficult uh, to yeah. run a profitable business in this market. Yeah. So talk about some of the other challenges. I mean, aside from raising capital, you just talked about it being challenging to be profitable. Are you where you thought you would be at this point in time? Or are you ahead, behind? So I think... We, like other companies, face the COVID has not been a, a super helpful in terms of yeah. uh, people's liquidity and spending. So yeah. the market as a whole in California is pretty flat year over year. And while we've grown slightly, uh, we're in a challenging environment in the context of this multi-state restriction, as I mentioned. So in order for us to operate um, to expand the brand to another state outside of our CBD line, which is, you know, we have national presence there, but for our core THC products, we either need to do a licensing deal with a party that has a license in another state, like say Massachusetts yep. or a larger, you know, M&A type of transaction or go there ourselves and spend a terrific, yeah. you know, then you need a whole nother capital strategy yeah. to raise the money to build out manufacturing capacity. Yeah. So the, you know, we have this amazing product suite that people love that in any other market, we'd be able to ship all over the country. And, and that's really where our investors and, and where we're all hopeful of. So particularly when the Democrats won the, the national elections, the hope was that federal legislation and legalization would be much closer. But as you know, uh, it's still a ways off. It seems like it's a ways off. What gets you feeling really excited and keeps you going? Well, I think we had a little glimmer in the the Republican legislative uh, initiative that was just put out. But in general, I remain super optimistic just because of the, we, we recently, for instance, just launched a new sleep suite. And what we've seen there is another reaffirmation of the efficacy of the products. And I always say, our most key performance indicator, and it's probably the most special thing, is that we actually lives changed is is a yeah. is, is an actual variable that we can apply to this business. And 
that's what we're getting feedback uh, wise in a variety of our products and particularly late in the new sleep suite. So I'm very excited about sleep as a category for us because it aligns very much with our core competency around the medicinal use of the plant and fixing real problems. So I remain bullish. Can you talk about the sleep products? What is it? So the sleep products are based on a, on a what they call a novel cannabinoid. So the cannabis plant has over 100 cannabinoids. The most well-known are THC and CBD, but there's a variety of cannabinoids that are now making their way to the market that have different effects, some psychoactive, some related to inflammation and other uses that frankly, we we don't yet understand because the plant has been illegal and unable to be studied through clinical trials. The active ingredient that we use and some other companies use for the sleep suite is called CBN. And it actually is a naturally occurring cannabinoid that presents itself. If you have old cannabis, for instance, and you smoke it and you get really tired from it, that's because there's a natural, I think the molecule is the, I think it's the degradation of CBD actually that turns into CBN over time. And so um, that's, so we've, we've been able to employ some novel processes to encourage the evolution of the plant in a couple of different directions while still maintaining sort of a all artisanal and, and chemical-free process. So I think we're the only company that's making a CBN product just by cooking the plant in a different way to facilitating this transference. Yeah. Most of the companies in the space take a pharmaceutical approach and they're using chemicals and solvents to isolate molecules and then reintroduce them. That's why sometimes when you taste a vape pen and you get like that tangy aftertaste, it's because they're reintroducing terpenes into the mix. All of the products that we make use processes that take the strain and it maintains it and it goes into the product. So can CBN be sold across the country or is that another product that can only be? No, CBN, you you are starting to see. And in fact, we are creating a CBN gummy in the national market that will sell through vitamin shop. And that should come out in Q2 of uh, next year. How exciting is that? Yeah, I think it's great. You know, so what's interesting is if you go to the shelf on vitamin shop and we're competing against a bunch of other uh, companies, there are obviously the main differentiating factor is this uh, notion of full spectrum products, because yeah. I think everybody else on the shelf is just isolating. They're buying CBD isolate probably from one of a handful of contract manufacturers, the yep. same ones, but our products are our top selling tincture in California is our 30 to one blend, which is almost all CBD. It's uh-huh. the same same exact formulation as in uh, being sold in vitamin shop. So we're selling THC in vitamin shop today, just under that threshold limit of 0.3%. Yep. And as we move forward, I see those two channels blending, certainly on federal legalization. That's always been the vision. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, the sleep thing feels so, so huge to me because people are doing the most horrible things to themselves and their bodies to just get sleep. Right. And I'm, I was one of them. I've converted myself to THC, but I was one of those people. I couldn't sleep and I would have done anything or taken anything. And so the idea that there's something really natural that you guys are doing that could potentially help people stop taking all these terrible pharmaceutical drugs. So awesome. And the market has to be huge for that. Huge. It is. And when we think about the real vision for the company, 
we don't view ourselves as competing against other cannabis companies as much right. as saying like against a Johnson Johnson and yeah. the, the pharmaceutical companies that are uh, putting out these solutions that, as you mentioned, are far more damaging. So yeah, I think this all natural plant medicine approach is something that resonates with me personally. And it's part of the underlying power of what we're trying to do as a brand. And that's why we're so maniacally focused on, it'd be much easier for us, for instance, to just drop a, a, a CBN isolate into a formulation to get it into yeah. the, the national yeah. market, but we're, we're doing it in a way that's differentiated and is, I think, respectful of the plant and natural yeah. medicine. Have you talked with, or do you work with any of the naturopath physicians or the alternative medicine people to help get the word out and get people trying it? Yeah, we, we definitely go to some of those conferences. I attended a conference with California osteopaths and uh-huh. um, another chiropractic one. And those seem yep. to be the two communities of physicians that are most flexible and open yeah. to yeah. alternative methodologies. So I, I think it's, it's fascinating when you talk to doctors about cannabis how little in the in the formal the rest of the practices just the knowledge of the endocannabinoid system which is a primary system in in that that they learn about it but don't focus on at all in medical school it still kind of blows my mind when i now understand the profound impact that people are you know that, that, that is the potential that these products have with the gap in understanding in the medical community it still kind of blows me away i mean there's a it feels like there's that that kind of misunderstanding or lack of understanding on many many fronts in the medical community. I um I just finished a program with the Integrative Institute of Nutrition and it was so interesting because the a lot of the speakers while I was going through the program were physicians that were saying don't go to medicine first. Just don't do it. But mostly doctors will tell you to do it but don't do it. Try other things, you know? Yeah, we we um, are lucky enough to have a scientific advisory board that includes Oren Davinsky. Oren is a world-renowned neurologist. He heads the NYU Langone Center for Epilepsy. Wow. And he was the scientist that performed the phase two and phase three clinical trials on Epidiolex, which is the one CBD drug that's approved for epilepsy, a rare form of childhood epilepsy called the retinol. So that study and that evolutionary step is pretty meaningful in the cannabis community because of course, to get that validation at the FDA level, which is not applied to any other parts of of, uh, the cannabis plant is sort of the first step in, I mean, imagine this conversation 20 years from now when there'll be breakthrough studies at scale that come out of this amazing magical plant. So it's been great to have the benefit of his perspective into the medical community more broadly. And and even with regard to our products, for instance, we had a conversation with him. I asked him, what's the difference between our 30 to one, our top selling tincture that I mentioned earlier, the same tincture we sell at Vitamin Shop uh, and Epidiolex for treating Dravet syndrome. And his answer was not that much, maybe batch consistency, but the fact that Epidiolex is, is just an isolated form of CBD. So it's not the same approach as we use, which is to preserve all of the natural yeah. elements. But I raise it because you had spoken about the approach that the, I think Oren shares that perspective that the doctors at your conference have said, which is 
there are lots of methods and, and routes to get to solution and you should be open-minded to look at all of them. Yeah, absolutely. What keeps you going when you, I mean, you're, you face a lot of challenges. You're in a, it's challenging to be an entrepreneur. It's challenging to be a founder and try to raise capital when you have a brand that's typical or that everyone accepts, but it must be like, it must be hard sometimes with this because you're not getting the support you need from the government and all the regulations are changing way more slowly than you hope. So what, what do you do to keep yourself going? You know, I appreciate the question and (laughs) this journey has been incredible in terms of a lot of aspects, some of which I've raised on the call, kind of the personal experience with my father, the extension of the mission with my cousin, the coming to like the California gold rush, driving up to California, you know, to Northern California yeah. with this business. So the, the amazing ride that it's been so empowering and, and, you know, that, and now when we're hitting a time where the challenges are there, that I think it's fair to say that most everyone in the industry are, are now facing in terms of, okay, like, where do we go from here? Will the government allow, you know, help us how reduce the tax burden in California. So it, it'd be less than, than fully honest to not say there are challenges here. For me personally, and to your question, I feel like it's tracked sort of a, look, I think if the COVID crisis coupled with everything that's happening politically and racially around the country, which is sort of all sort of coalesced at the same time that we as a company after this incredible ride are having to deal with some real challenges. For me, the confluence of all of the, all of the above, which is my personal story, very much entwined with the business, has kind of put me in a place of more introspection and more sort of recognition. And, and so I've been doing stuff with mindfulness and some coaching and, and changing some of my own exercise and, and health habits to try and get to that next level. And, and I think trying to most of all, just be appreciative, appreciative of how lucky we are. I mean, these problems that I am facing are all very first world problems and the world has a, 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 some very, very significant challenges as do many, many people in the world. So I, I try and really think about that in the context of being mindful and humble and, and optimistic that, you know, we'll get through stuff. Yeah. Do you ever, or have you ever just been like, I can't do it anymore. I'm giving up. No. Never. Amazing. Well, I think that the main reason is over my shoulder here. Um, This, this company is very personal to me. My father was a very humble man. He, he would be shocked that, you know, that, that this company is at its core honoring him and this experience we had together. And it just gives me a lot of strength that I I know that there is, the vision has always been to put these products created in terms of a real product in the world that actually takes away people's pain. My goal is to have this product on shelves all across the world, taking away people's pain with my dad's picture on it. And to me, like what is a more powerful enduring, inspiring legacy than that. So yeah, I will not quit. That's amazing. It's so beautiful. Your story is beautiful. And I need to hear about Barclay for a second. So we didn't even talk about that. Yeah. So I, I should show you Cooper, who's my current pit bull, but I had an amazing 
pit bull named Barkley that went everywhere with me in New York and who I would bring with me to visit my parents when I was starting to take care of them. And of course, or I guess it, it seems, of course, now, but Barkley, we must smell the same, but Barkley, my dad connected to the point that I related to my my college roommate on one of these trips. And he's like, man, you, you got to give the, your dad that dog. So oh. of course I had to. And he, he wow. the, so he's a gorgeous 75 pound pit bull who would not only stay by my dad's side and he'd always be touching him, either sitting on the couch, like in the picture right. next to him or on the floor, just touching his foot, or he would sleep in the bed under the covers with my dad every night. Oh. And so he was this presence. And when my dad was really ill and I would, I was sleeping in the bed, it was the three of us in the bed. And I would get up at two in the morning, four in the morning, six in the morning to take, you know, move my dad around and apply the bomb every time. And so this beautiful creature was the connection point in providing love and comfort to my dad through the final you know, years of his life. And so when I started playing with the branding of this and could this really be a company and a product, it was clear. I never call my dad Papa. That's what my nieces and nephews call him. And, and so, yeah, so it was Papa and Barkley was, uh, was the name was wow. that described the experience. That's a very moving story. Very, very moving story. Thank you, Christina. That's incredible. That is incredible. People need to hear that for real because it's so, it's beautiful. It really is beautiful. I appreciate it. I mean, I've, I've never had been lucky enough to have my own kids. And I appreciate you were telling me earlier about how you're exciting to take your daughter for yes. Thanksgiving. And so to me, this experience taking care of my dad was even more meaningful, perhaps because I just, as a single person, hadn't made the type of sacrifices that you yeah. and other parents make for their kids. And and to just really be, you know, a caregiver all the way through. So yeah, a total blessing that not only I think changed my life and perspective, but created this company and these products. So well, you are a parent of a dog. So I count that I have two dogs and I, they are a lot harder to deal with right now than my daughter has been in a long time. So (laughs) (laughs) there's always something going on. And I think the more we humanize them, the, the more they become our children. That's how I definitely feel about mine. I know a lot oh, of other people don't feel that way when I bring them everywhere with me, but I still feel that way. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. I just, yeah. you know, I, 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 I'm wary of being, you know, the, the odd dog parent guy. I suspect that I am for yeah. sure. Cooper Not comes so with odd. me everywhere. <laughs> Not so odd. That's incredible. Is there anything else that you would want to say? Like, I really, first of all, appreciate your story so much and your time. And I hope everyone hears about your brand and I can't wait. I'm going to, ha- I might just have to come to California since I can't get it in New Jersey, but I, is there anything else you want to share from an advice perspective for someone who's really, I, I, there are a lot of people do feel like giving up. I mean, your story is amazing and I get why you don't, but there are a lot of people that are like, am I going to keep going? Should I do something else? Should I go work for someone? Do you have any words of wisdom for them? I think that these times are challenging. So first of all, I would say it's understandable that that one reaches that point and, yeah. and, and I guess evaluating what makes you happy and what are your priorities in terms of how you, you want to live your life. I wish I had more, more profound advice. I guess it's get perspective before you, you make any of these moves. Yeah. Uh, talk to the people that you love and care about. I, one of my dog activities every morning we go hiking, I'm lucky enough to live right uh, near Griffith park in LA. And and so 
you know, within uh, 10 minutes out of the house, we're, we're starting to climb a mountain and getting up there. And I think that that the quiet time and the meditative and mindfulness pursuit has been super helpful. And I think people can find comfort in that and their own strength in that. So I, I encourage, there's lots of good resources out there for, for mindfulness and, and meditation, which I think leads to other things that give perspective. And, and so, yeah, I guess that's the, the limited advice that I could provide. To the- I think that's really interesting and good advice because first of all, we're in the health and wellness community. And so that's, that feels like something people ought to be thinking about. But when you're an entrepreneur and you're trying to make stuff happen and you're living and breathing and sleeping and eating it, you sometimes forget that you have to take care of yourself and think about things like that. So I think that's actually brilliant advice because I think it's the one thing that I know from my perspective, I let go. The first, first thing I let go is my own time mm-hmm. every time. And I, and I think about what I need to do and how I need to push forward and all that stuff. And it's once you get a little, get to back up for a second, I think it really gives you some perspective. And I do the same thing. I walk my dogs every morning. It doesn't matter what the weather is. It doesn't matter if I have time or not. I still do it. And I really believe that it's as much, I have it in my head that they have to do it or they won't rest during the day and I can't work. But really, I also think it's for me. You know, because it gives me some time alone with them and brilliant. It's brilliant time. I think that in in particularly to underline the point you're making, the morning time is important. Yeah. I the 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 wonderful lady that took care of of both of my parents till they passed. Her name is Dorcas. She's from Uganda. And uh she's like family now. And she she lives in the house in, in Swampscott. And so I often try and take wisdom from her and so in talking to reading some of these books and in talking to my, I have a coach that's been helping me got the same advice that, that Dorcas gave me from her African wisdom, which is starting your day, being grateful for what you have and yes. who you are. I think this corresponds to this morning time that we talked about yeah. is like so key. And, uh, yeah, so that advice uh, resonated with me through her, and and I, I would just pass that along as well. Really, be be grateful for what we have, because as the last few years have shown us, nothing is permanent, and and we're very lucky. Yeah, that's so exciting. Well, thank you so much for your time. This has Pleasure. definitely been the most moving interview I've done, and I think it's just such a great story. I can't wait for people to hear it. It's incredible, and I hope it brings you lots of new customers and just really congratulations on what you've been able to do and discover. And it's great. Awesome. Thank you, Christy. I I too am am touched by the interview and by you and yeah, I I will keep in touch so that you can see the, the end of the story and, and hopefully watch us get to new levels as a company. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. Have a great holiday. Bye. Thanks. Thank you for listening to The Irresistible Factor. I'm Christy Bridges, and I can't wait to see you next Wednesday.